everybody. This is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. My name is Bryn Griffiths, and joining us as always is Brent McIntosh. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? Very good, thank you. It You know, it's so nice to have people back in the studio. Well, this is a first for us, literally for all of the podcasts we've done over the last over year now. This is the first time that our guest has been with us in the studio. Yeah, I know. It's kind of nice. Uh, Jeffrey Sunquist is with, uh, with us. And let's talk about your position with the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce. You are the... President CEO. Head cheese. The big guy, <laughs> the top dog. So uh, thanks for coming in and joining us today. Pleasure here. I think w- w- maybe we should start with people who might not know, what does the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce do? Well, really the Chamber of Commerce is the voice of the business community in Edmonton. So the Chamber movement has been around for a long time. The Edmonton Chamber has been around for 132 years, wow. um, advocating, <coughs> educating, and connecting people. And so, um, you know, we have uh, opinions on policy, whether it's tax, whether it's regulations, uh, and our opinion matters. So we, uh, uh, we work with all orders of government, whether it be municipal, provincial, or federal, and take the position of business to them as they make their policy. And what is your role specifically? What do you do on a daily basis? Well, lead the organization. So, you know, we've got our membership group. We've got uh, uh, our uh, advocacy and outreach team. We've got, of course, our uh, marketing and comms group, which includes our events uh, organization. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a very strong organization. And, um, you know, it's been obviously challenging over the last year and a half when it comes to events. Uh, The team did a really good job pivoting and, and trying to keep people connected and continue to drive value for our membership. How many members? We're at about 1,700 members. Wow. And who should join? Who's a typical member of the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce? Well, all sorts of uh, organizations. So from small to large, we've uh, introduced a solopreneur Mm -hmm. uh, um, membership level where an individual uh, that is working or a programmer working from home can... uh, can join and be involved in uh, the, the chamber and have their voice represented at the table. Um, we're also looking very closely at uh, introducing post-secondary students, having them join the chamber movement. And and one of the things that I'm really wanting to do, Brent, is um, increase the diversity in our membership, both by geography and by demographic. So uh, reaching out to all four corners of the city, we yeah. want to uh, engage with uh, the you know the Chinese business community, the Indo business community, the Indigenous business community, the LGBTQ uh, business community, uh, everyone is welcome, and uh, we do represent our members very very well. And and so these young students, young people that you're going to get to join, won't necessarily be business owners. No, that's exactly right. Um, you know, largely chambers are looking for business leaders to be part of their committees and so forth. We've got a number of committees ranging from energy and environment to municipal affairs to policy and tax. And um, I'd like us to get uh, a wider uh, and and more diverse perspective. Wow. On things. And so how can we bring young leaders yeah. through our uh, committee structure and, um, and get them more engaged and exposed to what happens at a chamber, what happens in, uh, in committees, and, and so on. 
Interesting, and, and that surprises me. Uh, how many members are you looking to get? Do you have a goal in mind? All of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. Everyone. No, it's, uh, you know, there are... Um, uh, several thousand businesses in the Edmonton metropolitan region. Yeah. Uh, we do excellent work representing their interests, yeah. and uh, you know when I and we've done a lot of collaboration with Calgary, particularly around policy, whether it's around the provincial election or federal election. We've come up with platforms, uh, speaking with one voice. And when you take a look at, uh, you know, both Edmonton and Calgary having. 225 billion in GDP. Right. Our voice in Ottawa should matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that ever cool? Uh, how often do you guys meet? Well, the board meets regularly, and of course, the uh, the committee uh, the committees meet probably eight times a year, and uh, the board certainly at least on a quarterly basis. And but in terms of the membership, there are events happening all the time. Uh, we're planning right now for our chamber uh, chamber uh, ball, which okay. will happen in January, January twenty second. We're yeah. really excited about that because there so probably wasn't one last year. There was not. Yeah. <laughs> there was not, and uh, so we'll have nine hundred business leaders, uh, oh, people wow. from the business community in Hall D at the Edmonton Convention Center. So we're really, really looking forward to that. I think there's so many people that uh, want to get together face-to-face. Yeah. We hosted Small Business Week last week, a number of events, both in education, and uh, we had Todd Hirsch from ATB, the chief economist, and uh, Mer- uh, and uh, Nate Glubish, Minister uh, of Service of Alberta, or Service Alberta. Yeah. And... Uh, while we were restricted in how many people we could actually get into uh, into the West End, yeah. people were just so delighted to be there. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And and did you tell Nate he should get a haircut? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Nate is actually my MLA, and so I don't think he's had a, a haircut since uh, since COVID started. I, I want to go back on that though for a second because w- w- we held an event this past summer, and it, the thing that was interesting about it was, as you pointed out. Jeffrey, about the fact that people have not seen each other for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It was really tough to keep the event moving along at a nice pace because everybody wanted to socialize and reconnect. Do you find that? Uh, not not really, Brent, because okay. I, I, I felt that people really wanted to get there, uh, connect. I had been at some events before the, the fourth wave hit, uh, and uh, the, the levity in the room and the desire to engage was certainly there um you know whether you know whether uh, assembling was right at that time i won't have yeah. an opinion on but but i can tell you the the sentiment was people just wanted to get engaged see people yeah. we had uh mayor uh forums before the municipal election we held one in partnership with uh, kv capital here uh, at the jw and uh, we probably had 275 people there and it went over exceptionally well. Did you do the mayor forums virtually as well? We did. Our yeah. last one was um, uh, was done virtually, mm-hmm. and uh, we had the leading the five leading candidates in studio. Yeah. But we had them all uh, spatially separated with plexiglass. Socially and all distanced. The, yeah. The uh, <laughs> physically distanced. Physically distanced. Uh, <laughs> and but the the protocols were in place. Um, and how many people tuned in? Do you have a number? Could you tell? Uh, we had several hundred to an in, and yeah. uh, and the the feedback was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I much preferred watching it actually from the, the the my own home on a computer screen than actually going to the forums in the past. 
I thought I thought the format was better, and and it's something that should obviously and probably will be adapted. Um, not so unlike what we're, we're we're recording this podcast at the Road Fifty Five Studios, and and they're coming up with a hybrid system of having people both in person and online viewing things. So I think that there has been some good things that have come out of this pandemic. Well, we've learned to pivot. You know, mm-hmm. certainly our team at the chamber has done a wonderful job, a masterful job of engaging with our membership, providing strong education programs, whether it's about post-COVID or whether it's, you know, whatever uh, uh, topic. Uh, but y- leveraging technology has given us the opportunity to think about how we deliver value yeah. differently. Let's talk about that membership because you are face to face and talking daily with your members who are business owners here in Edmonton. And how has most of their businesses done in the past 18 months? Well, I think, Brent, that the pandemic has impacted business and, and quite frank, frankly, families very, very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, some have really uh, excelled. Some have done less well. I think there are going to be some organizations that are simply not going to make it. Right. But some are thriving. Yeah. And uh, the there, I would say probably six, six to eight weeks ago, there was cautious optimism that things are, are moving along. Um, we got hit with, you know, the, uh, the increased numbers in the fourth wave. But I think people are largely, uh, you know, through that. The sentiment that I'm getting now is that this rise in or the previous rise in rates is largely driven by the unvaccinated and uh, that businesses and the economy are being impacted by by a pandemic driven by the unvaccinated and not that uh, you know, we've been a strong advocate for things like uh, the vaccination passport because we thought any any platform that is going to provide consumer confidence, uh, worker safety, and business confidence, we would absolutely support. So we actually asked all orders of government to collaborate on something, and we're not going to have an opinion on what that platform is, mm-hmm. but something that can... Um, that can provide that confidence and keep the economy going. Now, don't misunderstand our view on the vaccination passports and mandatory, you know, mandatory vaccinations. We, that is an independent choice. Right. But Mm -hmm. sometimes, and we're being a little more vocal on this, is that sometimes your independent choices have consequences. Maybe, Maybe you don't get to go to the hockey game. Maybe you don't get to go to the restaurant that you love. Yeah. Those businesses that have thrived... Why do you think that they've done so? Well, adversity really spawns uh, innovation. Hmm. And and I think that organizations took a really good look at at their organizations or look at their systems, their customers, and how they interact. Hmm. And it forced them to think a little bit differently. So, you know, when you are are forced really to... uh, figure out how you're going to survive uh it just it opens your mind to different to different elements and to different opportunities push comes to shove right and and yeah swim or die exactly right and 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 i I think that some of us have, have obviously adapted better than others and and made their businesses even more successful i think when the pandemic first started there was a lull probably those first 
30 to 60 days where everybody panicked and, and nothing happened. And then eventually we realized we've got to move on. That's right. There was so much uncertainty at the, at the, at the beginning. Is that the common thread here is the, the, the ability to reinvent themselves a little bit. And you use the word pivot. I think you've used it twice. And I hear it from everybody. It's such an important word now, is it not? I could use it a third time. I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah, work it in later on in a third time. But uh, yeah, well, I, I find that those businesses that are thriving have adapted and, and, and pivoted. <laughs> there we go. Um, but not all, they're providing even better service than maybe they did before because they saw holes in their previous business systems, maybe. Yeah, and, and perhaps things that they had taken for granted, mm-hmm. they had a refresh. Right. Yeah. Nothing like you know, the thought of bankruptcy to scare you into, into doing your job better. Correct. Um, you know, we, we, you briefly talked about it, but where do you see the Edmonton businesses, uh, our marketplace going in 2022 and, and beyond? Do you think we're going to improve? Do you think our economy is going to get better? Yes, I do. Uh, I really do. Um, I really think we've got some tactical and strategic advantages in a number of different areas. So, um, you know, while we're seeing stronger energy prices right now, the lower energy prices of the past have, again, really caused us to take a look at what are our competitive advantages and really what do we want to pursue? Things like health and life sciences, uh, things like um, uh, you know, technology, artificial intelligence, lots of people are talking about machine learning and AI, of course. Yeah. But, um, you know, we've had some great announcements in hydrogen. You know, how do, how do we take our complementary assets and um, adapt to what the new economy is? And, and everyone agrees that we need to transition to a lower c- a carbon economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and quite frankly, Alberta has, in, in my view, led the way largely uh, on, on that transition. But it's, it's given us an opportunity to take the, the bountiful resources that we have, but think about them a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had some really, you know, great announcements there. Um, you know, our university system is, uh, is fantastic. I think, um, you know, one, one vulnerability, and this is, you know, one message that I would say to uh, the business community and, and people at large, is we've got to get our airport back going. A strong economy needs a strong airport. We lost 39 destinations during the pandemic, and the airport, along with the Edmonton Chamber, the regional chambers, and Edmonton Global have done a really good job of raising the level of awareness of mm-hmm. the challenge. People thought, okay, well, when the pandemic's done, the flights will just start up. Well, that's not necessarily the case. That's quite a process. Yeah. Uh, schedules of, are, uh, are set. Aircrafts, you know, aircraft has been allocated. So to win back those flights, which are so important to the business community, mm-hmm. um, we, we need to, we, we don't just flip a switch and it, goes back to normal. Literally this Saturday, I have to drive to Calgary because my flight with United Airlines from Edmonton to Denver was canceled. And with um, the just United pulling out and, and not offering that route anymore. And yeah, and, and uh, I use Denver all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, there are key destinations that we, we have to get back to the United States and international destinations. Uh, we have to get these back to illustrate the strength of our economy we need to be. We we need an efficient way to move goods and services. The airport's done a great job um, winning the the cargo yep. battle, yep. Uh, but we need to get passenger aircraft back. And and literally, Brynn and I were just on the phone talking about this the, the other day. But how do we? You know, how does a consumer? Um, 
get more flights go to, to the destinations we want and get more international travel from Edmonton? How, how, how do we do that? Or, or, or how, is, how would the Chamber of Commerce help us do that? Well, we've played a very leading role with EIA on supporting uh, and amplifying the message that the importance of the, uh, of the airport. Mm-hmm. The airport's team has done really good work working with the various airlines to get the the uh, flights back. They are, it will take time. It's yeah. coming though. They're, they're coming back. Yeah. Well, but but the, the flip side of that, Brent, is that we have to support those flights. If we're asking for the airlines to yeah. invest in our community and in our region, then we have to fly. They, yeah. the, the planes have to be full. That, like that, that's the whole that's, reason that's, I'm assuming that they're pulling flights is that those planes are empty and, and so people aren't using them. And I feel like I'm, I'm ruining it by physically driving to Calgary to get on my flight. Uh, I feel like I'm hurting the, the Edmonton airport. Well, and that has a significant, because yes, they, it because is your fault. It is. Yeah, well, I, 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 you know, not, per, not, not the entire thing, but, but I uh, literally United is going to say, well, no problem. They, they'll just drive to Calgary yeah. or, or take an extra flight to Calgary. I couldn't take a flight. The timing didn't work. So we're actually driving, but, but, um, I, I feel like that, that that's not helping the solution and, and I, I'm hurting us more than because I've agreed to. Well, understand that airlines are certainly using this opportunity to reset and mm-hmm. optimize their routes. Yeah. So if they can drive people to other destinations where they don't have to have so many bases, that's what they're going to do. So the risk of the Edmonton region being relegated to a regional airport is real. Yeah. Um, the airport is doing great work trying to get the flights back, but we as consumers, whether it's commercial or uh, or uh, for pleasure, we have to support the uh, the airlines. And um, um, we've got to get the flights back to make Edmonton not only competitive, but attractive to investment Mm -hmm. and to trade. We need efficient movement of people and goods. So the Edmonton and Calgary airports might be at a war, essentially, with each other trying to get the best flights for for their own particular airports. How about the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce and the Calgary Chamber of Commerce? Is there a competitive nature between those two groups? No, in fact, the opposite, Mm. uh, Brent. We uh, collaborate very closely, particularly when it comes to our advocacy teams, our policy people, because uh, for us to be able to go to the provincial government or the federal government with a common voice, Mm -hmm. uh, being aligned on message is very, very helpful. Two, two strong cities in one province, yeah. again, going back to the GDP of $225 billion collectively, um, our opinion matters. Okay. I, and I, the only reason I brought that up is because is I think back of of the 90s and, and when it seemed like all the oil companies left Edmonton, left Jan Reimer to go down to, to Ralph Klein in Calgary. And so that's where I was thinking that there might be this competitive structure between the two chambers of commerce to attract business to their city. Uh, I, I think... There, while there may be a bit of friendly competition, there's certainly competition <laughs> in, in, in hockey. Um, but really, we both win. Okay. Uh, we both win uh, when uh, when both cities succeed. So, so where we can lend a hand, we will. Yeah. You know, we take the approach of it, it's a it's when you look at investment attraction. Investment attraction um, is highly competitive now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, capital is very very portable. Uh, so we, we have to win kind of the hearts and minds of site selectors and investors to come to Canada first, Alberta second, and Edmonton third. But uh, at the end of the day, we want someone in Canada to win. Uh, and uh, ideally, we'll do our best to get that in the Edmonton metropolitan region. But, um, but first and foremost, we need to get them in our ecosystem within Canada. 
you hinted at it earlier and we we're talking a little bit about other businesses that might be attracted to Edmonton and, and as Alberta, as Edmonton essentially gets out of the energy industry, it seems, what other businesses do you see coming our way? Well, I think precision agriculture, there's some momentum being built there. So when people talk about artificial uh, intelligence and machine learning, they some people perceive it as an industry unto itself. It's not. It's a fundamental platform that can be applied to any number of, of industries. So whether it's predictive medicine, whether it's precision agriculture, whether it's adva- advanced manufacturing, the strength that the Edmonton region has in that space uh, with the University of Alberta, with some you know great companies like uh, Alta ML, uh, there's some momentum being built there and it's getting attention. A lot of people are investing in... Um, a lot of regions are investing in uh, machine learning and, and AI, um, but I think we can take the horsepower that we have here and apply it to growth uh, industries here. I just spoke to somebody in Boston this week, uh, and uh, they their company is an AI company, and, and they work with people all across North America. The one thing they stress on is that this isn't taking jobs away from people. It's making the job easier so that your company can grow. It's not like it's a, a negative thing. People seem to have that negativity in their in their brain, but it, it's got the capability to really help businesses in our area. Oh, absolutely. Operate better. I mean, work is what you do, not where you are. So um, if, you, uh, if, if you can leverage um, skill sets in other parts of the world to help your business grow, uh, that's, I, I think, a, a new, new business model that's been growing for the last several years. Okay, well... And isn't likely going to go away anytime soon. No. We have a new mayor and council here in Edmonton. And um, what is the relationship between the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce and those councillors? Uh, we, well, first of all, it's uh, uh, not a clean slate of councillors, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll be working closely with them. The Chamber of Commerce has worked uh, very closely with uh, the mayor and council. Uh, we look very forward to working with this new mayor and council. Uh, it's very interesting to see and, and welcoming to see the diversity on the new council, more representative of the uh, Edmonton region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on, we'll be heading right into budget cycle here pretty soon. But we, you know, there are a lot of things that we are engaged in with the city around downtown vibrancy, safety, those types of things, uh, and of course the fiscal elements. We, you know, we're we're very mindful of the uh, very mindful of the fiscal challenges, but we certainly want balance between service delivery and some fiscal guardrails. We've got it. We've got to maintain a competitive tax system that makes us competitive. Before we let you go, let's talk about you a little bit and how you got going into this direction. We need to get that flight back to London because that's a city that you love. <laughs> Tell everybody what you were doing over there. International man of mystery. Yeah. Um, well, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, uh, be appointed as Alberta's representative for trade investment uh, for the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. And, and the role really developed into um, a very strong advocacy role with the broader European Union uh, and the then 28 member states because there was uh, some real momentum being built around what they were calling uh, the uh, Fuel Quality Directive, which was a European Commission directive by the Department of um, Climate change action uh, and uh, so really the the what what Europe was trying to do is really um, 
it was going to be very damaging reputationally to both Alberta and Canada. So, right. so my role was really to to work with European parliamentarians to tell them and explain what the Alberta energy sector is and is not our uh, reputation and regu- and highly regulated uh, and maturely regulated um, uh, industry. It wasn't about promoting our oil because we were not exporting to the European refinery uh, uh, network in any meaningful way. It was really providing a balanced dialogue. Uh, and um, that was the beginning of the whole dirty oil campaign. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was London-based, but spent a lot of time in Brussels dealing with parliamentarians, uh, learning about that. It was both personally and professionally very rewarding. Um, London's a great city. Uh, and you're right, I do need to go back. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, that was the beginning of the, you know, the, the tar sands, the oil, uh, you know, the dirty oil campaign. And we ultimately won, you know, with the efforts of, uh, you know, my colleagues with, I was in the provincial government for for three years, my three years in London. Um, uh, my colleagues at the government there, uh, the ministries of environment and energy and trade, of the day, and of course, our federal colleagues and uh, the various missions across Europe. And then, how did you get this gig? Because this is a pretty sweet gig, and you fit it perfectly. <laughs> well, uh, good question. I was previously on uh, on the board. I've been I've been involved in the chamber movement for quite some time. Uh, I still stay involved with the Canada UK chamber. Uh, former board member there, and I'm so I'm a Canadian advisor to the the chamber. Even though our meetings are at one thirty in the morning Mountain Standard Time, nice, yeah, <laughs> lovely. Um, but uh, we uh, we relocated um, our our uh, our business interest down to the United States, which allowed me to step down as CEO. And um, uh, as I've been involved with the committees and the three years on the board with the Edmonton Chamber. And uh, so when I was not relocating to uh, to the U.S., it gave me the opportunity to do this and had a meeting of the mind with our board. And uh, here I am. And I'm delighted to be here. Well, thank you, Jeffrey, for joining us. For those listening, why should they join the Chamber of Commerce? Well, because we're relevant. You know, our like I say, our voice matters. And uh, we can speak to all orders of government on your behalf. And um, uh, while we are involved, I'll give you a couple of examples. Something as fundamental as, you know how... Uh, Many of the restaurants in, in Edmonton have uh, kind of encroached on the sidewalks and so yeah. on. The, the Edmonton Chamber played a large role in expediting those. What would normally take weeks mm-hmm. to get an approval, we can get it done in a day. So the Chamber played a role in that. Okay. The drive to zero on taxation, yeah. the Edmonton Chamber was involved in that. So um, the reason why uh, people should join the Chamber is because the Chamber matters and supporting the good work that we do there. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we're a necessary part of the business fabric, and that needs to be supported. How do they find you? They can contact us at uh, edmontonchamber.com. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for your time. You're shockingly easy to get a hold of, by the way. I, I love that. I think that that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, didn't have to, it didn't have to go through too many secretaries. No, I didn't have to go through any, actually. But uh, the, the other thing, too, we'll have on our show notes all the information on how to get a hold of Jeffrey at the uh, Edmonton Chamber of Commerce. How do people get a hold of you, by the way? Well, if somebody wants to buy or sell some real estate here in Edmonton, they can call our team directly at 780-464-0075 or find us on the web, macintoshgroup.ca. And that's it for the time today. We appreciate you tuning in on this podcast. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent McIntosh, and we'll see you next time. 